Can y'all hear me okay? Yes. You look and sound great, Robert. Thank yeah, you. For, for me, your video is not in sync with the audio, though. I don't know if that's just me. Oh, yeah. I can see it on my end, too. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's, I just I can't look at you because it throws me off. That's generally <laughs> true. Same in person. Every time. Look away. We have had technical difficulties constantly. Yeah. I don't, once all this is over, we can, we should record in the same room. That'd be so much easier. Eagle and I were just saying, it's really just this episode. It's meaning. It's the meaning episode. So we got to fake out the universe and talk about achievement. As soon as you were like, let's do a curveball, everything was fixed. <laughs> everything was working right. perfect. As soon yeah. as we're like, okay, let's go for meeting, things are breaking down, Robert. We'll see how it goes. I'm committed to get through it. So we are a little over halfway through the Perma V series. Hopefully this has been helpful, especially under difficult times. 2020 has been tough. And anytime you can focus on positive emotions, positive psychology, well-being, the ability to flourish, that's great. I think this has been a really, some really great discussions for us. I've applied some of these things to my personal life. And so we are in meaning today. And Charles, you sent out this really interesting sort of survey it was just like a worksheet to fill out. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Because I don't really actually know the history. I just did it because you posted it in Slack. Yeah. Yeah. Happy to share the history behind that. So we're talking about meaning today. And if I think about all of the conversations that I've had with people about Perma-V, the element that is most difficult for people to comprehend and apply is meaning. And I'm not sure why that is. Also, positive psychology, they typically have interventions that are scientifically researched and backed that you can apply to each of these things. And when they exist, we cover them in our episode. I couldn't find one for meaning. And what I did is substituted my own activity and exercise, not one that I created, one that I have done in life that I think fits for meaning. And it is a core values exercise because I think as difficult and abstract of a question, what is the purpose of my life, which is what I think about when I think about meaning, identifying and thinking about and trying to apply values that are true to you throughout all areas of your life, that seems like that might be a good good exercise to do and a good goal to have to help you discover, hey, what is the purpose of your life? So that, that was the genesis of the worksheet. Right? So my hope is that similar to how we did for engagement, we talked about a little bit about our strengths, our lesser strengths. We might do that same thing today. If we have time, if it comes up, we can talk about our core values. When you talked about meaning, when I saw it was coming up, I was thinking, okay, feeling a part of something bigger than myself, like that makes sense, like conceptually, but how the heck am I supposed to apply this in any kind of practical, personal, professional way? And so at a minimum, even if the worksheet only overlaps 50%, it was a helpful exercise to go through. And, and that helped me focus on 2021. We're in November right now. And so this is the time where we start thinking about next year and what that looks like. And so it was very timely. If you're interested, there's nothing digital about it. Just fill out the worksheet and hopefully that'll help drive some clarity. There's so many different core value exercises out there, but that's okay because I, I think generally what I've seen is that they all 
follow the same process. Like the one that I did, and I, I have a link to the one that I did. We'll put it in the show notes. It really starts off with looking at, hey, I found some website that said, hey, here's a thousand sample core values. And they're just words. And it's, a, it's an exercise of systematically going through and saying, oh yeah, this one kind of resonates. I don't know why. Don't think about it. Just mark the ones that you like. Get down to maybe 20, 30 of them. And then the activity is to continually refine them. So it's okay from your 20 to 30, group them together. Or is there a certain affinity between sets of core values and you lump them together? And then for each of the groups or lumps of values, pick one word to describe it that describes that category. And then my next step was to write out a definition, try to put words, my own words, to what that value means and why. And that was the hardest part, like in terms of the core values exercise. It's all fun and games when you're just picking other people's words. But when you actually have to sit down and say, clarity is a value of mine, personal core value. And when I think and I talk, it's like I can see things. I, I use a lot of visual language. It's, ah, I see what you mean. I use that, that phrase a lot. I never really thought about why that's a value of mine. And so here's the language that I use to describe it. Clarity is a value because a clear vision and a purpose is a great motivator. And I need to articulate my vision and purpose in other words, be clear, in order to become the best person that I can be in my life. And that's my own words. And it's very meaningful to me as a result. To me, it's less about the words. I have five, family, gratitude, learning, clarity, and adaptability. Like those are my five values. But there's so much behind those words that the exercise is illuminated that makes the exercise really powerful. So what did you do, Robert? So you posted this in Slack like a while ago. Now, let me explain a little bit of the worksheet. So core values and essential intentions worksheet. So there's two steps. The first step, and, and really three, because there's like a 1A and 1B. Igor, is this what you did as well? Yes, I did. So step one is clarify your values. So very similar from the following list of values indicate how important each one is to you. And so it'll say like achievement, not important, extremely important. And so you go through and you just check them. So achievement's very high. On my list, adventures like important, but not extremely important, going all the way down. And so that's, you just like you said, treat these values one-on-one. -on -one. And then afterwards it says, okay, now choose five of the values you've marked extremely important. These will comprise your core values. So you just get to go pick what they are. And so I picked trust, family, achievement, love of learning, and hard work. And trust was surprising to me because it didn't mean when I checked it off, it didn't mean what I thought it meant. So one thing, like as a parent, like it's really important to me and Diana that the kids don't lie, like almost above all else, because when you lie, when you take any action, your brain rewires itself. You're physiologically changing. And we don't want our kids to become easy liars. So we really clamped down on that. Trust was this weird thing, but for some reason, I, I checked extremely important. And it's not something I would have thought ahead of time that would have been the case. And then going through my five essential intentions, so what it asked you to do after 
you list your five core values is identify, this is step two, identify your essential intention. So from the list of the core values, develop five essential intentions that you can apply to any situation you encounter in your everyday life. So you might use some of the values directly as they are or use your own writing. Okay, so for example, if you have kindness, if that's one of your core values, then an essential intention could be phrased as, I intend to be kind in all my interactions. If inner authority is a core value, then you might say, I intend to value myself and remember that I always have a choice. So something like Mm -hmm. that. So intentions always relate to the present moment. So fill out essential intentions for the five things. And this is where stuff got interesting for me. So I have my five, they overlap a little bit, but on trust, I put, I intend to give trust by default and assume positive intent in all interactions. It's really easy time right now to not give people the benefit of the doubt, especially those that you live with those that you work closely with. Everyone's just trying to survive at this point. We've talked about that before, physical safety and well-being on Maslow's hierarchy, right? Like we're bumped down the pyramid a little bit. We're all just trying to get through 2020. It's a really good time to assume positive intent and just understand that people are trying to get by just like you. On family, so Igor, you and I talked about this. So that's my second core value. I intend to reduce phone screen time by 80%. So I have an app called Moment, tracking screen time, and got the new Apple Watch with cell service that came in. So we're, we'll debrief on that later, but I'm going to try to reply to texts and talk on my AirPods on the watch and leave my phone in the car or turned off as much as I can. So that is an attempt, a proxy to be more present with my family. That's why I want to reduce phone screen time. Achievement, hard work. So I want to have an, a career best effort in 2021. Pat Riley, who coached the Lakers, he had this, this the Magic Johnson era. So Igor Charles, I know you guys aren't like super sports fans, but you know who the Lakers are, right? The Los Angeles Lakers. They're a basketball team, Robert. Yes. From Los Angeles. Okay. Do you know who Magic Johnson is? Yes. Yes. Okay. Do you know who Pat Riley is? Head coach. Did you hear? Yeah. Did you hear his name before I said it though? You remember? Okay, cool. Good. So... Pat Riley coached this team of just superstars and they would crush all of these regular season records in the playoffs that get bounced first round year after year. It was maddening. And what he ended up doing is he went to each player, sometimes all the way back to high school and quantified through some calculus and crazy math, a numerical score for each season that the player participated in, regardless of team. And what he said was for us to achieve the next level as a team, Everyone here has to have a career best effort. If you were an 81 last year, you need to be 82, 83 this year. And every year, have that career best effort. And 2020 was not a career best effort for me by any stretch of the imagination. It's been so hard to get stuff done. Things that require a little bit of luck at work probably didn't go my way. And it just, I don't feel great about 2020. And so I really hope that I can turn things around in 2021. So that's the achievement slash hard work core value. Four, so love of learning. I intend to level up my hobby around audio. So capture and post-processing. This is a really cool thing we're doing here. I love the audio side of the equation. I'm getting really into it. Probably feels like other people feel when they're like woodworking and stuff like that. It's like an interesting artistic craft. And a lot of my hobbies haven't been artistic in nature and, and they've been golf and things like that. So this is a cool thing to learn. So I want to just lean into that next year as a way to you know, increase my flourishing, treat it as a passion, get really good at it if I can. 
And then the last one kind of combines family and achievement. So I want to complete, I intend to complete a digital detox in December. So we talked about that, Cal Newport, and would really like to remove as much unessential technology and services from my life as possible. And so that w- it was a really helpful exercise. I probably wouldn't have come to these conclusions. I think it will shape how I go through 2021. And so, Charles, thank you for posting it, man. It was nice to go through and see where I ended up. And it's not where I would have imagined at the beginning. Yeah, I'm glad it was useful. There's a couple of things that I want to ask you about. One is maybe an observation, and, and maybe we can go off on this tangent later if we want to. Love of learning is one of your character strengths, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. So that there's potential overlap and connection to the character strengths that we talked about before. The other thing that I wanted to point out is that the essential, I think both exercises, the one I did in this worksheet, it gets you to think about the value itself and arrive at your list of three to five or whatever. But it also gets you to think, and in this worksheet, it's through this essential intent. Through my exercise, it has you write out what does success look like if you live out that value and the commonality in those things between essential intent and what does success look like is you have to apply the value, right? It's not enough to just say, I value trust, but it is something to say, hey, in all situations, I'm going to trust by default. That's an actionable thing. And because it's an actionable thing, it's something that you can measure, like you said, and it's also something you can create goals around. And I use my core values to inform goal setting, right, for the year. And one is, this one is around, one that I have is around learning as I pursue knowledge to better myself and others around me. That's what success looks like. And success also means that I accept that there's so much I don't know in the world. And every year I set a goal for, all right, what do I, what do I want to learn? And this year it was Permavi. And I took a four-part, five-part maybe specialization in Coursera to satisfy my goals that are tied to this core value. So I love the fact that exercises point to the need to apply these, right? And then it forces you to think about, okay, how can I use this value, apply this value, live out this value in day-to-day life? Because I think it's through that, like finding ways to do that, it gives me meaning to tie this back to meaning, which is the the topic of, of the day. It's meaningful if I can provide clarity for somebody else. They're unsure as to what to do, and I provide a perspective that lets them have an aha moment. That feels really good. That gives what I do and who I am and um, all of my actions meaning. And so that's why I really love this exercise. Okay, so to be clear, you took a different exercise. It was still core values exercise. So that still helps plug into the meaning and that ability, that component of flourishing. You came to some of the same conclusions. So I I think that's helpful because Igor and I took this other one. It's probably a little bit faster. But and I think that's what we've been saying all along is it doesn't matter what direction you go down. It's the, the act of going through the exercise, getting some of that clarity and then making it actionable that yep. really matters. So we'll post a couple of options, but if you can, if you find one better that you like, use that. It, it's not the tool itself. It's the actual thought process and crystallizing what you're thinking. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Yeah. But Igor, man, Robert and I have been hogging the discussion about values. I would love to hear your experience with the worksheet and some, if not all of your values. Yeah, I, I did the first part of the worksheet and TBD on the essential intent part. So that was part two. But part one was identifying the top five. And your observation of Robert, I think, is even more true in the ones that I chose for, for the exercise. And so in, in no particular order, they are curiosity, aesthetics and beauty, knowledge and love of learning, hard work, and the last one is family and relationships. So those are the top five. I'm going to go and, and do the essential intent exercise because I do think it's important to connect those two intentions and also things that you can measure and do. I am curious, though, do you have any leaning on what one of your or more of your is an essential intentions would be? Like you've you hit your core values. They're aligned with your strengths. Do you have any thoughts on what you're going to do from a Practical perspective? Yeah, I, I think the one that's coming up for me that's the most practical and the one that's most important has to do with the family and relationships. And that's me getting married soon. You know, I got engaged last, last year, early this year. And probably my biggest intent in the short term is to continue to carry that to fruition. So I'm really excited about that. And uh, yeah, that's probably my focus of the five. A question that came up for me, which again, this may be another tangent, but this is what we do when we chat. And this is why I love it. There's a question in my mind, do we value what we are strong in or are we strong in what we value? Because you, you said, Igor, you've got a lot of overlaps with character strengths and values. And I wonder, could be seen as like a chicken or an egg problem, right? Do we value it first and then we develop a strength in it? Or is it because we are strong in it we therefore value it. It's probably a rhetorical question, but I wanted to share that. Malcolm Gladwell wrote a book called Outliers, and that part of the book tackles a very similar question, which is that of experts. So one of the examples used was hockey players in Canada for some time. Turns out all the hockey players were born in, professional hockey players were born in like the January, February, March timeframe. And somebody who has like a scientific mind looked at that and said, that's weird. Like, why are they, why is this the case? And it turns out that their cutoff for the age group for hockey leagues in Canada favored people who were born in January, February, March. It was very, it's very competitive right there. There's lots of different leagues. And so basically if you were born in the first quarter of the year, you had nine, 10, 11 months of growth on your peer group, which when you're nine, like that really matters, right? You're you could be 10% bigger than the people around you. And so they're taller, they're faster, they're more mature, they can follow directions more. And the coaches look at that and say, oh, hey, you're my best player. You need to go to the next league. And they go to the next league and get the better training and the better coaches. And it's just a virtuous cycle at that point. And so I think as kids, someone probably told, told Igor early on, hey, you're really good at drawing, you're really good at art. And that self-reinforced into practice and belief that you're an artist and over time that grows into expertise. So I would say probably more often than not, you definitely are good at the things that you value, good at your values versus valuing yeah. what you're already good at. That's at least my unscientific thought after remembering part mm -hmm. of reading one book 10 years you know, what's ago. What's funny is I've never read that book before. It's like such a bestseller 
well-known thing. I, I haven't read it, but thank you for that. And I know you're interested in storytelling. Malcolm Gladwell is a phenomenal mm-hmm. storyteller. And so I think that's if you just want to be in the presence of someone who's just exceptional at what they do, like he's as good as they, as good as they come. Do you listen to this podcast, Revisionist History? No, nope. Just read the books. He has a masterclass, mm-hmm. a masterclass app on writing, which I thought was really cool. So I've taken that, but don't, don't really, don't, I've, I've never listened to his uh, yeah, podcast. Yeah, Have a couple, you? And yeah, it, it's good. Anyway, back to Igor. Thanks for the diversion, Robert. Yeah, I and I agree with Robert. I think that the list that I have, I don't remember not valuing those things, but I do think that all of these values were engendered and instilled in me by my family and my environment, and then reinforced and supported, and then turned into a strength and so on. Yeah. One more thing on that too. I think the major life events come into play as well. Certainly after getting married, having kids, family is much higher on my list than it would have been when I first started my career. When I first started, it was achievement. Spent a lot of my time at work thinking about work. I really liked being an engineer. And that was, that was a great time in my life, but that was not a time where I, where family was a core value. And that's why I think this is important to review over time because your core values change as you change as a human. And you don't want to be acting on old core values just out of habit, right? Like it's a good thing to think through what they are today and what you want to do about it moving forward. I don't know how I feel about that, Robert. I think you're right, but I have a slightly negative reaction to that. And, and I think, hold on, what am I trying to say here? I, this I, negative reaction to this idea of the changeability of core values or is this something else, Charles? Yeah, it's that. It's the changeability. I'm not saying that they're fixed 100% set in stone, but I think I do believe that values are relatively stable over time. And I think you're right around life events and crises, bring it back to 2020. I think those are the moments where we have an opportunity to reevaluate what we value. And, but in moments of stability, Right, things are chugging along. We're not in a crisis. I I would venture to guess that those values stay relatively stable. Right, and and maybe yeah. Oh yeah, I agree. I, I would agree with that. When I brought, I used family as the example. That mm-hmm. was specifically because of m- multiple positive events yeah. in my life: getting married, first child, second child, and those. I could feel. I remember when very specifically when my daughter was born that pull of I'm at work, but I want to be back at home. And I'm not sure like what that balance looks like. And that was an adjustment period where I think my values evolved Mm -hmm. or changed and my work behaviors and my personal behaviors had not caught up yet. And that was a time filled with tension because I, one, didn't see it coming. Two, when you're in it, it's really hard to know you're in it and self-diagnose, right? And then over time, looking back, I'm like, oh, this is what happened. This is how I would do it differently and it's because family was put in as such a high core value or as at one of my top five where before maybe it wasn't or didn't need to be because I could manage everything I needed to manage without actually having to explicitly prioritize it in my life. Yeah, I think, Robert, you bring up something that I want to discuss with you all. To me, meaning, like finding meaning, I think 
more often than not emerges from suffering, like going through painful moments or crises like a pandemic or losing a loved one or losing your job. I think those, and and although you said, hey, having kids is a wonderful, joyful moment, it also brings about a lot of suffering. You, You described it as a tension between work and career, which you valued a whole bunch, and family, which had dramatically changed by the addition of a baby. I do want to point out just real quick there, it was incredibly difficult. Like my daughter, who's great, she didn't sleep very well for two years. My wife works as well. That was hard. It's really hard to introduce a human into your life where the the social contract is 100% dependence. That's difficult for everybody. There's no situation where raising a kid is easy. You get the benefits of it as you go through it, but it's uh, it's also really hard. It's like the hardest thing I've ever done. And so, it, yeah, I, it's definitely on the, the net positive side, but I, I do want to just call that out real quick to say that's not yeah. super easy. And that comes into the, the core value yeah. discussion and as I, well. I think I've asked you all this before offline, but have you all read Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl? He's a Holocaust survivor. I haven't. I, I added it to my list when you brought it up. Yeah. The other day, though. Igor, have you read it? I can't remember. Uh, no, same thing. I added it to my yeah. list when you mentioned it. Yeah, he has a quote here that I'll read that connects back to this idea of meaning often emerging from suffering. And he says, ever more people today have the means to live, but no meaning to live for. So ever more people today have the means to live, but no meaning to live for. And, and I think this ties back to the fact that in this day and age, we are living in the best possible moment in history, no matter where you are in terms of socioeconomic status, right? It's like people live longer, people have more now than they ever have in the world's history. And it's a very safe place. We are in very safe places in our lives and in our careers. And we're lucky. We're very lucky as a result. But that often means that we have not many moments of suffering compared to some other people today and in the past. And to me, this points at, I think, what a lot of people have been talking about in this crisis globally as a result of the pandemic is the need for resilience and how fragile we can be as humans sometimes because we don't know how to deal with suffering. And to me, when I suffer, big suffer, small suffer, what helps me to get through it is knowing that once I get through it, I can look back on it and I can find meaning in what I went through. And oftentimes it's a, hey, if I've gone through this thing, like I go through a divorce, I will be able to support and help others who go through that at some point in the future. And it it could be as simple as that. And uh, I would love to get y'all's take on this idea that meaning emerges from suffering, right? Because it's a different angle to meaning. Core values is a very practical way to think about it. But I don't know. How do y'all react to this idea, this notion that you have to suffer? Maybe not have to, but suffering often results in meaning emerging. Yeah, maybe if I think about that, I think responsibility Taking on responsibility also helps derive meaning. So if by suffering you mean experiencing a catastrophe, like that's, I think that's part of it, but also the 
ongoing pursuit and work and labor of accomplishment and getting things done and bearing responsibility, I think really can help provide meaning in life, whether that's at work, whether that's with the family. We even talked about kids, right? There's a tremendous amount of responsibility that comes with having a child and with raising a child. And I would say that being a parent, having kids is highly meaningful. And I wouldn't know, I wouldn't necessarily say that I suffered, but I definitely had that responsibility and continue to have that responsibility. And I think that's where a lot of meeting the feeling yeah, of meaning suffering comes is a loaded from. term. It's to me, there's a spectrum, right? Suffering could be the, you suffer from the monotony of the endless stream of meetings in a day, but it could also be at the higher end. Yeah. And really to help me, because I'm, I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around this. If I look at the definition, it's the state of undergoing pain, distress, or hardship. And so this like hardship idea of like actually bearing a, a burden and taking responsibility and me- meeting a commitment, I think pushes you towards meaning. And you can see the the opposite is true, where if you go back to the quote, if you have no responsibility in life, that's a really great way to be in that position where you you feel like devoid of meaning and things like that. You don't, you're not plugged into something bigger than yourself. And I think that can lead to some of the the negative side effects that you mentioned earlier. Charles, I I do think that there is something there. And part of the evidence that leads me there, I, I love language and I took Latin. Most people took useful foreign languages when they were in high school, Spanish or uh, German or French or something like that. I took Latin, which is a dead language. Nobody uses it except for doctors writing prescriptions and so on. And and when you mentioned meaning and suffering the same sentence, it, it made me think about an out-of-date word for suffering and the Latin word for suffering, which is passus. And passus is the core word for passion. And, and the word passion comes from the Latin word for suffering. And in a very maybe simplistic way, things that are meaningful, we can say we're passionate about, but we can also say they're worth suffering for. Maybe you're not suffering for them all the time, but they, if the opportunity came where you had to suffer for one of these things, you would do it rather than not if it was for something that wasn't really important to you. If one of those values on that worksheet that you identified that not really important. You're like, yeah, I'm not going to suffer for that if uh, something comes up in my life where I have to make that decision. And so maybe it's not continuous suffering or continuous struggle, but it is the willingness to do so and having done so in the past at, at some moments. So that's... That makes perfect sense because things aren't easy all the time. So that's what allows you to persevere and actually get through a meaningful chunk of experience such that you improve. So I, I totally buy what you're selling there. Like that makes a lot of sense to me. Right on. Hope I'm glad that was useful. Three years of Latin in high school, finally <laughs> providing value after all this time. You go, you can email your Latin teacher now. Say, hey, I, Man, I, I did use this. Three years of Spanish and I don't use it. To me, Latin is like a meta language. I, I think you've You've got one one up on us, Igor, and taking Latin. I I took it for a very practical reason, Charles, yeah. because I I felt that it would be the best language elective to prepare me for the SATs, mm-hmm. the verbal section, and I did exceptionally well on the verbal part. And I, that's not because of any sort of 
high intelligence that I have. It's the practice that I put into Latin and understanding the core of our language, partly which is Latin, partly which is Germanic in nature. So understanding both those languages really helps you. You can read a word that you've never seen before, and you can very much dissect it and be like, okay, does this have a Greek, Latin, or Germanic root? What is it related to? What's the context? And uh, so I don't always use lessest when I'm East Robert. Some, I do <laughs> special occasions um, yeah. on special occasions. That's awesome. Yeah. And as you were talking, I uh, scanned through another quote from Viktor Frankl, which I, I think speaks a little bit to what you're talking about, Igor, about what are you willing to, to go through? What, what are you passionate about? And it is what is to give light must endure burning. Right? So it's, hey, whatever you value, you've got to be willing to put in the effort, the work, even if it's difficult at time. Yeah. I highly recommend the book. It's it's an actually pretty short, a pretty short read. And what's even more interesting is that everybody talks about his accounting of the Holocaust, but he's a psychologist and he actually tried to create a new branch of psychology where he looked at a lot of the disorders that we observe in humanity. And he tried to look at those as symptoms of a lack of meaning. And so I'll link to the fields that he tried to create. And he's written some books about into the show notes because I can't remember what it is. But it's, it's a very refreshing way to look at things, similar to how, Igor, you were saying positive psychology is a nice, nice way to think about a lot of the negative things that we hear, like depression and anxiety. He has, a, he has a similar view, and he ties it back to meaning. You've just connected a couple of dots for me. Maybe it should have been obvious, but it's like when muscles aren't used, they atrophy. There's all this research around if you retire to leisure and you stop working, like you die sooner. That kind of, there's physiological changes that happens when you're not struggling against some kind of goal or outcome. And yeah, I could definitely see how ailments maybe not as the sole cause of an ailment, but ailments are exacerbated by, caused by this lack of meaning and passion and willingness to suffer. Yeah, that's deep. Yeah, I'll leave it with this one thing. It's called logotherapy. And it's based on the premise that the primary motivational force of an individual is to find meaning in life. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, really interesting. All right, guys. Hey, thanks for spending your time with me today having virtual coffee, although I don't think any of us are drinking coffee. But it was a great discussion. Thank you all for doing the exercise, the one that I didn't do, and for having a conversation about meaning. All right, y'all. Have a great one. Have a great weekend. Bye. That's it for today. Thanks for joining. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at WannaGrabCoffee or drop us a line at hello at WannaGrabCoffee.com.